Welcome to the Do Shit Podcast, where we unlock the secrets to success in your business by using strategic action. It's time for another lesson and actionable assignment, so get ready to get more shit done with your hosts, Natalie Jean Miller and Amanda Mock. Feb, February for customer research. Take one. Take one. <laughs> We're not recording video, so there's no need to clap. You're impossible. <laughs> I'm awesome. Hey guys, it's Amanda Mock here and Natalie Jean. And today we're talking about customer research on the Do Ship podcast. As promised. As promised. Last week we didn't spend a lot of time, but we're talking a little bit about competitive research. And that's because we felt it was really important to touch on that before we even really talk about looking into your customers. Yeah, because I think knowing how your competition reacts to your customers is really good before you jump into your customers. Right. And I, I think it also... Really, if you don't know what you're doing or you're just getting started in your business, that's how you figure out who your customers are. Because first off, it, it validates your business idea by doing your competitive research, which again was last week's podcast. But then it also does half of the work of telling you who your customers are. I mean, you don't need to reinvent the wheel here. And if you don't want to work with those customers, by all means, you can kind of center and pivot your businesses accordingly. Right. But if you're looking at your competitors and then you're thinking when you're looking at all the people they're servicing that these aren't my customers, you might want to consider a totally different business. Which is what I'm saying. Oh, I just said it a different way. Yeah. Shut up. You're awesome. Love you. <laughs> So that's what we want to talk about today. And we kept it pretty brief because we didn't want to get too in-depth because it's really easy to get overwhelming. Yeah. And we want to keep away from that, which is part of the point of the Do Shit podcast. That is until we build helmets that allow you to read people's minds. Or at least we've been around long enough that we can reference you to more content that's been previous. You didn't hear what I said. <laughs> I did not. My sarcastic remark went completely yep, over your I, head. I ignored it. That's what I did. You've been punchy. You guys don't know this, but Natalie's been punchy recently. Not punchy. I've been eating a lot of sugar. <laughs> I find it to be entertaining. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but so we, we decided to preface that and with customer service and, it, and not customer service, uh, customer research. And customer research is really important into not just validating your business, but improving it and adding new revenue models and doing all of that additional stuff that you'd want to do with your business. Um, and we've touched on a lot of these concepts in our earlier shows. So by yeah. all means, if you're new, jump back, you know, pick and choose what you think you need in your business and right. run with us the rest of the way. Exactly. But it's really important to make sure that you get into your customer's head. Yeah, because we can't mind read people now. You can't mind read people. like, And when I say get into their heads, I mean not not trying to mind read, but going and seeing what they're reading, putting yourself in their shoes, being very empathetic of what they have going yeah, on. Yeah, know what they want, know what they need, know what they already have. Yeah. Those are your three big ones. And that does start with looking at who your competitors are and who they're servicing. And what they're already offering, yeah. Yeah, and then, and then and I don't care what kind of business you run or how large of a marketplace you want to service, you got to look into the demographics. Now let's define what demographics are because they've changed over the years. Obviously when we were, you know, if we were in it back like 1950s at uh, Mad Men kind of seeing, 
you were kind of looking at, you had only a couple demographics that you could fill into. Yes. There was kind of small tweaks here and there. You had like your 1950s housewife, you had, you know, your working man, your blue collar man, your executive. And then based upon that, that was pretty much your marketing demographics. Now, because of the way that, you know, our marketing has evolved, our advertising has evolved. It's so much more than just how old you are, what gender you are, what occupation you hold and where you live. Right. It's you're now we, because of the way technology is and how we can see how the world is interacting with the internet. And let's face it, as creepy as you might think it is and whatever your personal stance is, the reality is, is you're being tracked. <laughs> right. And it's great for us as a, on an entrepreneurial end. Right. Because we want to track our customers. We want to know where there's potential and where there's not potential. Exactly. We can start to see like behavioral trends that we can base off of our demographics. Like you want to start on a broad sense. Like typically our audience is in this age range and they're typically male or female and live in these areas and in these types of cities or suburbia or whatever it might be. But then it goes much deeper than that. It goes into, so now that we've gotten this broad sense, we can then start to slowly drill down and understand what's happening a bit more. Right. And the same, the nice thing about some of these statistics and some of the information that we've compiled over the last couple of decades about people, about behavior, about ages, about what they like, what they don't like, what they have, what they don't want is that you get into this space and this ability to research your customers pretty thoroughly and know, okay, well, actually I thought my customer was, you know, this age range, you know, female lives, you know, drives a Subaru, et cetera, et cetera. And then when you get into the research, you're like, oh wait, actually my demographic is males who drive BMWs. <laughs> right. Very different. Very, very different. And that only comes from the drill down area and first starting with your competitors, right? Putting your own personal bias, which is why actually looking at your demographics matters so much. Because I think when you're looking into your competition, it's really easy to throw, especially when you're just starting out, it's really easy to throw your own personal bias in the way. Right. Well, I mean, before we started recording, you had made a, a really good com or comment about how people think, especially when they come to you as a coach saying, oh, well, my customers are so unique. They're like unicorns. Yeah. They're special little snowflakes. And it's like, no, no one's customer is a special little snowflake. Now, we're all individuals. OK, let's 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 be honest. Yeah. And I do really feel that I, I don't I don't look at my prospective customers and have the herd mentality. I don't. I'm not, I don't believe in grand social manipulation. And I do believe that it's very easy to find people that will break the rule. But if you start to break down your demographics, like the age and gender and location aspects, and then build that into behavioral trends, people who tend to go to this website and this website also tend to be interested in Y product, which means that they also tend to be interested in my product. Like, now you're be now you're building it off of more than just some statistics. Like like you said before when we were coming up with the concept of this podcast that we really got to talk about more than just ASL. Right. Age sex location, which you said that by the way, and I swear to God, it's been so long since I heard that. Like I had to do a double take. Yeah, you kind of hesitated when we were talking about what we were gonna talk I about. I felt like I was podcast. in some skeezy chat room and a guy uh, was hitting on well, me. Well, I remember you typing, you're like A S L. Huh? I, it's been so long. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, it's very 90s terminology. It is. Hey, but they still use it. 
But that's how you start. You start from that area and then you drill down into the behavioral aspect of what people are doing. And that way you can figure out what they want versus what they need. Because when, when you're researching your competitors, you got to figure out how to position what it is that you're offering in the packaging that's like, oh, hey, I need to have this to get the result I want. Yeah. Heads up. There's a really good resource on Facebook when you create a Facebook page that allows you to kind of see this transparency of who's liking your competitors, Facebook pages. Yeah. And actually Facebook as a whole, like as an advertisement platform. Oh my God. I know they're plugged in with a whole bunch of other agencies that feed them information too. So you can even look at certain people's buying habits and what demographics they fit. Like on the back end of Facebook, if uh, it's in when you when you're creating ads, really, uh, yeah. y- you can do so much as to look at a big major competitor, like whoever it is that that you would be up against. So, let's say Tony Robbins, right? If you're to go and you go you go look at Tony Robbins, you not only can see the demographics of how many of his audiences are what ages and sexes and where do they typically live. You can start to see what their online buying habits are, what sites they tend to go to, what pages that they like. How often are they on Facebook? How often are they on Facebook? How often are they on other sites? And how and how much time do they spend on those? I don't think you can see that through Facebook. Not yet. No, I'm sure it's coming one day. (laughs) But you're starting to build like a true profile of your demographics and really understanding what makes them tick much more than, oh, well, women in their 20s do X, Y, Z. Like, it's not that superficial. Right. This isn't sex in the city by any (laughs) means. If that were the case, we'd all have very interesting lives mm-hmm. and this probably wouldn't be a show about business it would probably be a gossip show oh but that's boring i know <laughs> anywho so okay let's say you've got your your demographics you've done a little facebook research or um just research on your opposing uh indirect indirect competitors mm-hmm. now you want to get into what your customers want and what they need and why this is important right and you see this when, referring back to, the, to last week's episode, when you're doing uh, competitive research, you start to pick up on this language if you're paying attention. And we said this in the last episode, like no matter what, you're going to constantly be referring back to your competitors. Oh, completely. Not because, Especially when you're first starting out either with a new income stream or with a brand new business. Right. And it's not because you're copycatting them. It's because you want to see how they're talking to and what's marketable clients. and what's not. Yeah, because you're going to see that they've had products that have failed and maybe it was a concept you had. And why did it fail? Was it because they were too big and it was a compliment and they decided it wasn't worth redoing? So they or the UI it? was ugly. <laughs> I hate, I, I'm sorry, I hate Hootsuite and their UI. I'm just going to bash it every time. That's not nice. I'm being honest. <laughs> I mean, now, do you dislike it because it's ugly? Oh, yeah. Or do you dislike it because you dislike social automation? No, because Hootsuite is the bad. Okay, I will say this: out of all the social um, automation that mm-hmm. I've seen so far, Hootsuite is one of the best okay. by far. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm not in love with the product because I'm not in love with it on a philosophical purpose. But no, their UI is not right. Yeah, Mm-mm. it's not what you want it to be. <laughs> it's not what a lot of people want it to be. But that goes back to saying what to looking at your customers and saying what are they saying about our competitors. And how can we take that and apply that and make it a, our, what our product is and make it better, faster, stronger than what our competitors are doing? And you know what? If, when you're looking at that kind of stuff, whether it's in a Facebook comment, a comment on a blog, or um, on Twitter, 
just go ahead, you know, tweet those people back, comment them back, see if they'll respond to you. Yeah. Have a conversation and not as easy. I'm going to steal my sales way, but in a way that you're going to start having conversations with your customers or your perspective. Yeah. You don't have to reveal like, Oh, Hey, I'm a perspective competitor or I am a competitor (laughs) launching a brand new product, but tell me all your woes. Right. I mean, people aren't going to, I have to say we love to complain (laughs) as people and we love to sing each other's praises too. Mm -hmm. So it's that meh region that we were talking about last time that right. it gets a little crazy. But going back to what they need versus what they want. And this is classic marketing, right? If you haven't been thinking about it this way, then you need, then anywhere you go, as you start learning, you'll hear this. Like, and if you're not hearing it, then you're following the wrong marketing gurus or whatever. Welcome to the show. <laughs> but you sell people what they want and then you give them what they need, right? Always. And you give it to them in the packaging so that they feel like they're getting what they want. Which goes back to good customer service, right? Yeah, I think for me, what they want is how they buy. What they need is how they stay. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would absolutely agree with that. And that's how you need to look at when you're thinking about your customers and and how they're engaging and when you're looking at their behaviors, which is the whole point of seeing what's happening. It's not just knowing the age ranges, but when you're looking at their behaviors, what do, they beha- what do their behaviors tell you in terms of what they want? And at the same time, if you've had an existing product for a while, you use that information to be adaptable. Mm-hmm. And reaching is something as simple as reaching out to a client and your your best clients, which we actually talked about this uh, a couple of episodes ago when we were talking about quality customer service. Uh, the CT at the end of that one, because if, if you're a new listener and you don't know, we at the end of every episode, we give you guys something you can go do. We want you to go do shit and improve your business and something you can do today and see a result from. And one of the ones we gave was go out to your most to, to one of your best customers and say, hey, what can we do to make things better? And what do we do that you already love? Right. Right. Well, yeah. Because if you're thinking about improving it and you eliminate the thing you love mm-hmm. or that they love, I should say, and then you're 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 losing a customer potentially. Right. And that's great customer service. But what if you go a little bit deeper and actually ask your customers what other things they're doing in their business so you can spot the gaps before they're even hitting them? Right. What if you're asking them these questions and then you're saying, well, what other things are you having issues with when you're doing X? And And the nice thing about that is you can either create a new product to fit that need and that gap or you improve the current product that you have to include that. Right. All based off of your customer research, which is something everybody's got to absolutely do. So the next thing we wanted to talk about is kind of language. And this comes in really as a big point when you're crafting a new product and when you're updating and getting new sales for an existing product. Right. And because when you're looking into your customers, you got to realize that the marketplace is always changing. Oh, constantly. And so the language in which you talk to them is always Yeah, you can't just throw up a website and be like, and we're done. Right. And you got to talk their language depending on the platform you're on. Like, I'm not going to talk to somebody at a a networking event like I am on on Facebook or or anywhere else or on my website or through a funnel that they're getting pushed through. Or better yet, actually, let's kind of change the example a little bit. You wouldn't talk to a five-year-old how you would talk to a nuclear physicist. (laughs) Very different. It's very different. Well, I don't know. It would depend. Would it depend on a lot? Depending on what item you're marketing. Obviously, if you're marketing a toy, you'll talk to the five-year-old and five-year-old speak to market that toy. (laughs) But you might talk to the nuclear physicist like, hey, you want your kid over there to become a nuclear physicist too? 
you should buy them this toy because they'll learn X, Y, and Z. Yeah, that's true. You're not going to talk to the parent the same way that you You're do You're not going to tell the kid, hey, you want to be a nuclear physicist? Right. You should buy this because of X, Y, Z. Yeah. And you might be... They're going to be like, what? You might be selling a toy for a child, but you might advertise it to the parent because they're the one that's going to be making the decision. Exactly. But the toy is designed for the child, which goes back to knowing knowing your core market and who it is that you should be talking to. When you're making sales, are you having the conversation with the person that needs to make the key decision? Are you well, like who, who's going to be using it? Are you having the conversation with somebody who's going to implement it for someone who's going to use it? And you have to realize when you need to talk to both. Right. Right. Because obviously if it's just appealing to the parent, they buy it. The kid never plays with it. No benefit is seen. But if you're just talking to the kid, then the parent's not going to buy it. <laughs> well, maybe. Maybe. I Whining, don't know crying and temper tantrums do... Uh, Oh, convince. no, 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 no. Not you, but other parents. I'm <laughs> just talking in general. not fly in my household. <laughs> I don't know. It works for my brother. Oh, not in my home, darling. Uh-uh. <laughs> I've seen it. I'm proof. <laughs> which brings us to what we'd like you guys to do today, which is a little bit more involved than what we normally have. You know, before we've given like a quick CTA and you can go do it, where this time we wanted to include a little bit of a worksheet. Brings us to what we want you guys to work on. Normally, we have like a quick CTA where you can just go and implement and do. Today, we want to talk actually a little bit about, uh, today, we're going to talk about like an ideal client profile. And we decided the best way to do that was to give whoever wants to work on their ideal client profile, whether you already have one and you want this as an excuse to go deeper, or if you're just new at it and you want to get started, we've decided to provide a worksheet at doshitpodcast.com slash 008, because this is our eighth episode. Yeah. Plus, I think it's kind of cool just to see how other people put together um, their ideal clients and how they kind of put it together. Like I've gone to a bunch of different people saying, hey, how do you how do you brainstorm out your ideal client? So we're just right. trying to give you guys as many resources as you can, as many resources as you can and a good worksheet to kind of go through a little bit of the process that we've talked about. Uh, here on this particular podcast. So first you're going to start at the broad sense and look at your competitors and who they're researching. Then you're going to look at the demographics, right? And you can do that through Facebook or other means. And after you get a sense for who it is they're servicing the most, looking at their behaviors, what kind of sites do they like to browse? What kind of, and, and kind of giving you an inside look at who they are as individuals and drilling down into that and doing it I think the most important thing in doing an exercise like this is you got to realize you have to do it without the bias of your products and services. Oh, of course. Completely. So if you go ahead and go to doshitpodcast.com slash 008, you can go ahead and get access where there'll be an area for you to leave comments, but you'll have access to this worksheet. And while you're over there, if you haven't already, you can join our newsletter. We've recently just started up a closed Facebook group where you're going to have exclusive access to Natalie and myself and people who are actively doing the shit that we're talking about in these podcasts every week. And, you know, we're starting off pretty small, but we're going to be in there doing the stuff in our businesses, too. And if you want a place to go to grow your business and to work on this stuff and to talk with other people about it or even bash us, like if you want to go in there and be mean and nasty. Well, please don't be mean and nasty. We, <laughs> no, personal, nice people. no personal attacks, but meaning you hate the stuff we're talking about and you want to steer the conversation into a, what you feel could be a constructive, better area. We want to create that place. Oh, yeah. I mean, this yeah. is supposed to be a community of active entrepreneurs. Right. So we, we've decided we were kind of playing around with the first couple of episodes. And this is kind of a great segue into this since this is a little bit more of an involved exercise. Uh, we decided that Twitter really wasn't the best place, but a closed Facebook group where people could post whatever they want judgment free and 
people that are weird or whatever don't yeah and i mean (laughs) you can obviously get some really cool feedback on either a product that you're developing a product that you're thinking about developing maybe your competitors all of the above and we can definitely have a yes uh, an issue that you're having in your business or with a client or whatever we want this to be a collaborative place where we all actually get things done proactively so head on over to doshippodcast.com slash 008. Get the worksheet. While you're there, join the newsletter so you can get the exclusive invitation to our Facebook group. And we'll see you guys next week. Next week's going to be the first week of March. And we're actually going to be talking about building an in- like building a team for your business internally on the back end to make your business go. When you should, what that needs to look like, and what you can do to know when you're ready in building that team. So we'll see you next week. Have a great productive week. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Do Shit Podcast. Now it's time to take action. Natalie and Amanda have put together an exclusive Facebook group to help you grow your business even faster and get more shit done. Ready to join? Head to the website at doshitpodcast.com and sign up. Thanks again for listening and we'll talk to you next time.